You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. Right now, let's get on the phone and with us, Dr. Ken Turner, better known as Dr. History. Good morning, Doc. How are you? Good morning, Zeb. How are you doing today? I am great, and uh, I'm all ready for another very stimulating uh, and educational program on Dr. History, but I'm going to forewarn you at 15 past the hour, I need it back for a break, uh, just like we did last week, but we didn't. <laughs> I kind of got carried away, didn't I? I'm actually going to set my timer for 10 minutes. All right. In that case, I'm going to go ahead and say you have the floor. What are we going to talk about today? Well, over in Wyoming, they had a war called the Johnson County War. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people have heard about this, but basically it was the big cattleman versus the little cowboy. Now, you would think that this would not be a conflict between the big cattleman and the little cowboy because, you know, you'd think they would work together. But it uh, didn't turn out quite that way. And so that's the story we're going to talk about, the okay. County War. All right. Now, the American West had its share of grassland wars. They accounted for a lot of feuds and a number of deaths. Yet by most accounts, the violence really wasn't that bad, uh, involving really not that many people. And, of course, sometimes a sheriff or two that were maybe a little crooked and but the effects rarely had uh, regional consequences, although a lot of times some of these feuds hung on for years or for generations between some of these groups. But for really sheer cussedness, bloodshed, courage, and stupidity, there was no conflict that really equaled the Johnson County War in Wyoming. Now, it's also sometimes referred to as the War on Powder River. And as I mentioned, it flared up between the big cattleman and the little cowboy. Okay. Now... As I said, these are two factions that had every reason to stick together. It just doesn't make sense. But Wyoming is a vast land, a few people, and it has always been this way. I mean, the grass is high, the summers are mild, the winters can be absolutely ferocious. But it is cattle country and formerly open range, and from the 1870s to the 1890s, it was actually largely controlled by foreign interests. Now, this sounds a little odd, and maybe people don't realize this, but Scottish and English people actually owned a lot of those ranches over there. And it is, and still is, it was, and still is, really the land of the cowboy, when you think of cowboys. But some of the nation's largest ranches thrived during this period in Wyoming. But, as I said, many actually were going bankrupt, and they didn't know it, because the trouble stemmed largely from mismanagement by these absentee landlords. Mm -hmm. What they did is they took money out of the ranches and they plowed very little back in. And the owners pretty much looked on the cowboys more as a servant, really, than, than as a partner in, in their uh, uh, land. So now the Wyoming Stock Growers Association, right. that's the guys that uh, basically were kind of the bad guys in this whole story. But they dominated Wyoming. Mm -hmm. uh, they controlled the politicians, most of the newspapers, the courts, 
the association was largely made up, as, as I said, of foreigners, uh, the railroads and large businessmen, and these guys were totally unsympathetic towards the cowboys. As I mentioned, they looked uh, as a more of a servant, really. Well, a severe drought struck during the summer of 1886, and it weakened the livestock. And uh, when the wind whistled off those snow-capped peaks that fall, uh, everything that lived crumbled beneath it. Cattle turned their tails into the gale and drifted before, uh, you know, stopping only when they hit an obstruction or a fence or a canyon filled with deep snow. And, of course, there they piled up and died by the thousands. Now, except for the buffalo slaughter, the High Plains had never seen and would never see again such a massive and appalling death. Well, when spring came at last, 60% of the animals were dead or dying, so Wyoming was really a disaster. Now, at this point, the big cattlemen desperately needed loyal cowboys, and so they tried to buy and sell them on short notice. So, when not needed, the cowboys were discharged and told just to ride on. A so-called fair but reduced scale of wages went into effect, and this didn't sit too good with the cowboys. Mm -hmm. So the cowboys decided to go on strike. And they demanded $40 a month for everybody. However, uh, as you know, cowboys are a little bit individual. Oh, really? <laughs> for their own good. And uh, the strike soon broke. Uh-huh. just kind of couldn't hold that together. So anyway, the cattlemen, who might have been charitable, decided to crush and humiliate and totally destroy the independent cowboy. Mm-hmm. So they blackballed the strike leaders, thus forcing them to either leave the state or some of them actually went out and homesteaded and started their own little cattle spreads. And this is when Mavericking. Now, Mavericking is taking of an unbranded cow or calf that's abandoned or lost, you know, these, orf- these poor orphans. Yep. And Mavericking is collecting those cows, and that kind of became widespread. Well, this didn't sit too good with the association. And it prevailed upon the Wyoming legislature to pass a maverick law, which made it illegal to do this. Mm-hmm. Now, the big ranchers refused to honor the institution of the grub line riding. Okay. Unless a cowboy paid 50 cents. Now, what grub line dry- riding is, is basically in winter, hungry and out-of-work cowboys rode the grub lines from ranch to ranch, and they would get a free meal and shelter for the night. And so that's how they survived through the winter. Right. Until the roundup started in the spring. Well, like I say, they, uh, this directive closing down the grub lines kind of stunned even the working cowboys. And, you know, the cooks in particular could not ask the drifters for 50 cents and look them in the eye at the same time, knowing that the cowhands didn't have 50 cents. And they'd have to ride away hungry and cold. So, anyway, these harsh features uh, or measures forced many an honest cowboy into killing and rustling stock. Oh, boy. Fabricating mm-hmm. in order to survive. And as he did that, the Cattle Growers Association decided to crack down even harder. Now, according to the association, Wyoming was split between honest men and rustlers. And, uh, of course, the rustler included not only those caught stealing cows, but those whose homestead included steers that they just figured this guy couldn't afford all those good steers. So uh, the association decided to hire detectives, men who either bullied or took the cowboys to court, 
Well, this didn't really work because the juries were invariably made up of other cowboys. All right, now I'm gonna I'm gonna interrupt you right there because okay. I have to get my break in right now, okay, and we're good. gonna come back to more of the Johnson County War over in Wyoming in just a moment. First of all, I want to remind you that we have two great sponsors on our program on Thursdays for Cassia County School Days. One, of course, is a Child's World at 1308 Overland and Burley, always with everything you need for the babies and baby registries if you're planning a baby shower. And they're having their 11th annual October treat sale, 25% off on all toys and books and family games and puzzles all the way through November 1st. Check it out at A Child's World, 1308 Overland in Burley. And don't forget, too, the uh, great people at our friends at Ambulatory Surgery Center, always with a payment plan for your outpatient surgery needs, and they take most insurances. And also, if you're needing a life-saving colonoscopy, call them and find out more information at 677-8888. 677-8888. Ambulatory Surgery Center at 1344 Highland Avenue in Burley, along with the Child's World, bringing you school days in Cassia County. Gina, if you're right by your tape recorder and also your computer, may I please have the good words for State Treasurer Ron Crane and HJR2. On Election Day, Idaho voters should choose a state treasurer with a 16-year record of success in helping improve the lives of Idahoans. Treasurer Ron Crane has nurtured and grown the tax-deductible Ideal College Savings Program, which thousands of Idaho families now use to continue their children's education. And nearly 25,000 Idaho women have gained saving and investing skills through Ron Crane's popular Smart Women, Smart Money training program. Vote Ron Crane for treasurer. Experienced investing, protecting Idaho's taxpayers. Pay Crane for Idaho State Treasurer. Vote yes, November 4th, for HJR2, a constitutional amendment to keep the power of Idaho governance with the people. Vote yes on HJR2 to limit executive power over you and your business. Vote yes on HJR2 to keep your legislators working for your needs, not special interest groups. Vote yes on HJR2 to preserve the voice of we the people for the state of Idaho. Vote yes on HJR2. Paid for by Representative Fred Wood, House Speaker Scott Betke, and Senator Dean Cameron. Vote yes on HJR2. Thank you very much, and right now, here's Dr. History again, talking about the famous Johnson County War in Wyoming. Go ahead, Doc. All right. Well, as I mentioned, any time these guys came up to trial, they were the jury was made up of cowboys, so they never did get uh, uh, thrown in jail. Uh, but measures grew even tougher. In 1899, Ella Watson, better known as Cattle Kate, and a guy named James Averill, who was a postmaster, justice of the peace, and storekeeper, were actually lynched by these agents. And uh, kind of a bungled execution. They didn't really do a very good job of it. But nevertheless, bushwhacking became kind of a common practice. Johnson County, reputed to be a stronghold of the rustlers, underwent a, pretty much a reign of terror. Now, in anger and frustration, the association plotted to burn northern Wyoming free of rustlers, especially the town of Buffalo, which was the county seat of Johnson County. Well, they drew up a death list allegedly containing the names of 70 men. Now, agents for the cattlemen showed up in Texas where they recruited 22 gunfighters. Now, these hired killers were promised $5 a day and expenses, plus a $50 bonus for every rustler that they killed. Mm -hmm. Now, the Cheyenne Ring which actually were elements of the Powerful Growers Association, 
Like I say, they financed this operation, and top politicians from the governor on down, they were involved uh, at least to somewhat of an extent. They knew what was going on. But approximately 50 men made up of this invasion army from Texas uh, were the guys that were actually going to do this killing. So these rough characters would be led by some 15 or 20 of the top cattlemen. Well, it never occurred to these invaders that the countryside would view them as anything other than good guys, you know, instruments of justice. Right. So nobody seemed to understand that they might be the ones to be trapped and wiped out. So they were pretty certain of their success. So they took special care to neutralize the state militia should some local sheriff decide he wanted to restore order and make certain that the outside world knew nothing of this bloody episode until it was over with. So they actually cut most of the telegraph lines. Now, this so-called secret invasion, which was not much of a secret, pulled out of Cheyenne on Tuesday, April 5th, 1892. Now, behind us, blacked out windows were the the invaders, horses, supplies, wagons, enough ammunition to kill everybody in three states. Mm. Uh, Hours later, the train chugged into Casper, Wyoming, and unloaded, and by early morning, the farmers plowing the fields remembered seeing a string of mounted riders silhouetted against the ridge line. Well, in an assassination plot, uh, the invaders planned to ride the Powder River country into Buffalo, county seat of Johnson County. There, they were going to execute the sheriff and the county commissioners, then kill the rustlers one at a time wherever they could find them. Oh, my. So when the invaders reached uh, about 65 miles north of Casper, they changed their plans. Word came to them that a guy by the name of Nate Champion, he was known as a cattle rustler, the best cow- known cattle rustler in Wyoming, yep. uh, had never been indicted and was not, uh, even though he was not wanted by the law. And anyway, over a dozen other suspected rustlers were holed up at a place called the KC Ranch. Now, the invaders, most of whom were now drunk and pretty tired and beginning to quarrel among themselves, decided to skip Buffalo for the time being until they took care of Nate Champion and his buddies. Well, that night, the invaders rode through a snowstorm, and when morning came, they had the KC Ranch surrounded. Uh Uh-oh. Now, inside the house were two Teamsters who stayed for the night, along with Nate Champion and a partner by the name of Nick Ray. Now, at dawn, the Teamsters stepped outside, and since they were innocent, the invaders just took them prisoners. Well, when the Teamsters didn't return in a few minutes, Nick Ray came out of the house and glanced around. Well, without warning, a number of rifles cracked and he fell. Uh-oh. Crawling on his hands and knees, he headed for the doorway where another bullet struck him in the back. Well, a champion dashed outside and dragged him back in. Well, the siege was now on and heavy gunfire was hitting the windows and the doors and champion tried to fire back, but he couldn't get any clear shots. But occasionally, uh, he paused to write a diary. Now, that may seem to sound a little odd, but uh-huh. he was describing his own frustration, his partner's agony and death, and he was describing the shooting as coming from the stable, the river, and the back of the house, and he wrote, boys, the bullets are coming in like hail. Notice I said hail. Yeah, I know. I, I noticed how you cleaned up and changed the spelling. That's good. That's good. All right. Now, the invaders now had to make a big decision. Should they continue with the present siege, or should they skip champion for the larger objective of burning out Buffalo? Well, incredibly, these killers decided to stick with champion. Oh, my. Kill him first, since they already had him trapped. 
So late that afternoon, the invaders shoved a wagon load with hay and pine nuts up against the wagon house, or the wood house, and set it on fire. Mm-mm. Now, at this time, again, it's a little odd, but Champion wrote in his diary, he said, it's not, it's not night yet, the house is all fired, goodbye, boys, if I never see you again. Oh, my. That was his diary that he left. Uh-huh. Well, outside, there was a bunch of rifles covering the house with so much flame and smoke billowing forth. Uh, most of the Texans figured the champion couldn't survive. He's, in fact, they thought he'd probably already committed suicide. Well, suddenly, a stocking-footed man sprinted from the burning doorway into the snow. In his hand, he held a rifle. He had a revolver uh, sticking out of his belt. Well, of course, gunfire came from everywhere, and down he went. Nate Champion, king of the rustlers and the bravest man in Wyoming, lay dead. And someone's called a note saying, cattle thieves beware, and they pinned it to his bloody shirt. Oh, my. So he was an innocent guy, basically gunned down. So late that night, they resumed their march toward Buffalo. Well, the Texas gunslingers and the Wyoming cattlemen, still confident of their overwhelming strength as they proceeded along. Now, a Texan accidentally shot himself in the knee and actually became the first casualty. Shot himself in the knee? Shot himself in the knee. He died of gangrene. I see. So, well, by this time, the countryside swarmed with armed men. and Sympathetic large ranchers warned the cattlemen that Buffalo was an armed camp with rustlers gathering there by the hundreds. I see. Well, the news shocked the invaders into realizing the kind of death trap they were in, and they retreated to a place called the T.A. Ranch, which is... 15 miles from Buffalo, where they built fortifications. Uh, Wilder went out to Cheyenne asking the state militia for protection, and but due to the packs and cut telegraph lines, the message arrived in such a garbled condition that the politicians uh, suspected it came from Johnson County authorities, and they sent no assistance. Oh, my goodness. So, anyway, before long, three or four hundred small ranchers, which, of course, the invaders referred to as rustlers, They had the PA ranks surrounded and were firing into it. Now, unfortunately, uh, only a cannonball would penetrate uh, those heavy walls, so the ranchers tried to borrow one from the military. Well, they uh, wouldn't let them have it. In the meantime, Governor Barber gradually realized that the invaders were on the verge of being destroyed, so he tried to get the state militia out, and they refused. (laughs) They wouldn't go. Oh, my. So he actually wired President uh, of the United States, Benjamin Harris, Harrison, uh, for military intervention, and uh, just like in the movies, the army arrived just as the small ranchers were getting ready to wipe out the invaders. Oh my, that wouldn't have been the case had Obama been president then. <laughs> no, no. Well, incredibly, after all this gunfire, only one man had been wounded and he would die. A uh, Texan crawling along with a cock pistol stuck in his belt accidentally <laughs> caught the trigger on a twig and the weapon discharged. Uh, the bullet striking him in a painful area. I can imagine it was. <laughs> On Sunday morning, April 17th, the invaders were basically now prisoners and under heavy guard. Uh-huh. They were moved out of Fort McKinney, out to Fort McKinney and headed for Cheyenne. Basically, they left the state. I so, see. Anyway, the cattlemen, uh, defendants went on trial in Laramie County, which is Cheyenne, but because according to the judge, they, the community uh, had no bias and or prejudice, the judge dismissed the cases, so nobody uh, was held accountable for all this. Oh, my. So in spite of a few additional murders and bushwhacking, which attempted to settle old scores, Johnson County and, indeed, all of Wyoming uh, adopted an attitude of forget and forgive and 
no, no doubt that's the best way. And there, uh, you know, that was pretty much the end of the story. Okay, real quick question. I've only got one minute left, so okay. give me a short answer. Wasn't this the same conflagration that Tom Horn was supposedly involved in? You know, the story I'm reading here doesn't mention Tom Horn, but I, I recall him being involved in something like yeah. that. I'm positive it was the Johnson County War over in Wyoming, and uh, uh, they had accused him of shooting a young boy and uh, put him in jail. I mean, the whole thing kind of, uh, I think it was the Johnson County War, but let's check on that for next week, shall we? I will do that. I'm glancing through the my book right now, and I'm not seeing anything about okay. uh, Tom Horn, but I'll, I'll check that out. Excellent story. Now, quickly, we are in how many countries and how many hits on uh, dr-history.com? We're up to about 66,000 hits. Wow. And uh, about 55 countries. 55 countries, and we still haven't severed relations with any of those countries. No. Okay. I, I think we're doing maybe some good there, Zeb. All right. Listen. <laughs> Dr-History.com. Dr. History, Ken Turner, thank you so much. We appreciate it. You bet. You have a good day, Zach. All right. God bless you, man. Thank you. Excellent story about the Johnson County War. And I do believe that was the Tom Horn era of Wyoming also.